Pop Puppet evolves into Puppet Master. The Kylie Minogue of 1994 presented like a born-again artist, inspired, invigorated, bold, yet strangely calm and cool at the very same time. Sophisticated. Finally, the music had caught up to the woman, and now the icon and the sound were aligned, harmonious, and the diva's five-year wrestle for creative control was over. She had won, and her new album proved that she was right. Kylie Minogue, or KM94 as it's known to her fans, in many ways marked the beginning of Kylie's music career. She'd been popping hits since 87, but her input into the creative process had been limited to the odd line in a song or possibly some influence over her early 90s video clips. But in 1994, the real Kylie emerged from the constraints of her primary coloured packaging and holy hell, do you remember how she smouldered? No choice but to surrender. Jono, Aiden, Gareth and James are my golden lovers tonight. Welcome to this incredible trip to a sacred Kylie Island. Welcome, friends. Hello. Hello. Let's be honest, who was born when this was released? Me. Me. <laughs> um, yeah, January 94. So, mm-hmm. I was born at the very end of the era, t- uh, era 10 days after Where Is The Feeling. Now, I love the released. fact that a fan can mark when they were born in terms of days <laughs> after a Kylie release. So let's be really yeah. specific. Aiden was born 10 days after the release of Where Is The Feeling or Where Is The Single, as it's known to people who were around at the time. <laughs> Aiden, you do realise how sick that is that you actually know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> my my life is defined by Kylie moments. Gareth, I've never asked you. How old are you, mate? Let's just say I was a sweet 16 when the album was released. Ah, very yeah. good. What a lovely age to be around when this was released, sort of taking you from idiotic teenager into sophisticated early adult, right? And James, how old are you, mate? Uh, uh, well, I was 14 when this album was out, so I'm 37 now. For me, I, this is when I was like coming of age. I came out when this album was out. Hang on, you um, came out? Uh, in terms yeah, of your sexuality? Sexuality, I came out at 15, 95. So the following summer when this album was still kind of bobbing about, it was, it was kind of, yeah, it's got a, it brings a lot to me, does this album, actually. I bet it does. I bet. Aiden, what's this album mean to you? It's, uh, it's in my trinity of Kylie albums, I think. It's <laughs> a very unique era. I think it has a sophistication about it that she hasn't really... She didn't have before, and she hasn't really recreated uh, since. As a whole, listening to it, it's just got this feeling about it that's so that's so mature as i was maturing as a teenager you know it was such an awesome experience to follow you know her progression as well and know that one know one day i'll be an adult too like like she was becoming yeah yeah i'm glad you say that because that was my experience too she kept leading the way for me and still does actually she's she's at the moment in the golden era She's teaching me what it is to actually embrace your age. Jono, this is one of your favourite albums, isn't it? 
Yeah, this is my favorite album. I kind of, I always said that it's like a tie between Body Language and KM94, but like, you know, you're right, Aiden, it is, it is her most cohesive piece of work that she's ever done. Um, and I think it's just really easy listening. It's something you can put on in the background and listen, and the songs are so long as well. So it's like when you're waiting for something, it's easy to have time pass you by with, while listening to the album. And it takes you in another world, I think, especially with Falling. I think it's one of um, a vocally one of her strongest albums as well. Oh yeah, oh definitely. Because she got so much stick for being the singing budgie and that she can't sing and mm. you know, I think that, that she, oh, she showed them. Yeah, she wanted to prove so many points for this album and vocally like she absolutely nailed it with this album. She uses this chest voice which I really quite find appealing. She used it in the Intimate and Live tour and around that stage that's where I believe she started going to some serious world-class singing coaches who encouraged her to access a different part of her vocal range which she to this day tends to stay in that groove. There is such a definite mood to KM94. How would you describe it? For me it's a dinner party. Unlike other Kylie albums you don't have to be an active listener to this. This can just create an atmosphere. Mm. It's a bit of a calm down album, you know, especially like confiding me and she was definitely tapping into that kind of new generation, but that like come down kind of album that you pop on your after a night out and things like that. I think it's the album suffers in that regard and that it's a bit too cute. It's interesting you say that because when she first started recording this, um, she uh, the first songs she record, recorded for this album were Nothing Can Stop Us Now and a, and a track called When Are You Coming Home. Uh, she recorded that. Then the mysterious Rapino Brothers sessions, which we're going to get to, they're like an island of mystery for, for fans and there's petitions to get these songs released in their proper quality. The Rapino Brothers sessions were some of the first tracks she recorded for this album. And Gareth, they were considered too similar to the PWL days, and that's why they were effectively scrapped. But it's got a style out. The album kind of suffers for me style-wise in that it's, you know, um, not, nothing can stop us and us and Martin have a kind of 60s retro vibe, whereas yep. I think realistically a lot of the songs on the album just fall a bit flat, like that. just the, the popular sound of that era, there's nothing kind of special about them, but... I'm interested to know what other people think. If you're comparing Bubblegum Kylie to this, that's not cute. This is definitely a woman. This is definitely a woman singing. I don't think it's cute. No. I guess the package in that way, I guess, yeah, maybe cute is not the, not the right word, but like the promotion for the, like the album cover, her wearing the fake glasses with the, you know, looking all kind of officey. It's just, there's an element of pretense in this album that, just doesn't feel very natural. And... I'm loving that you're putting forward this argument because the the very argument you're putting forward, which is you know there was a lot of um, uh, a lot of effort, a lot of manufacturing. But you're so <laughs> you're so right. This is very manufactured, very premeditated. I was like you. I was there at the time. I know how hard she wanted to work to move away from what how she was perceived. But I love the result. I love it. I, I can tell. I take your point. It's premeditated. I get that. But I just, I love the, the imagery for this album. I love the sound of it. Jono, one, one criticism I have heard of this album is that it's very, many of the tracks are very repetitive. I'm thinking of Falling uh, and uh, Where Is The Feeling, Where Has The Love Gone. 
Oh, yeah. anyway, I love that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I love them too. And I think they miss yeah. the point. They're not active songs. They're not songs you'd see in the charts, that's for sure. They're atmospheric yeah. songs, right? I mean, Put Yourself and Confide are really kind of strong singles. But when she gets to Where Is The Feeling, I and she didn't actually release the album version. It was like that kind of remix or whatever it was like that different mix that she put on the video i can't wait where it's to all black and that. white i wanted to say i really agree i like the dinner party <laughs> kind of uh <laughs> candlesticks right uh, candlesticks and candle yeah. arbors and and people yeah. who don't like kylie bringing them in sit down and wait for one of them to say ah this is nice music who's singing yeah. this yeah, oh, who's, just who's casually this? casually slide into the conversation oh kylie yeah. you know or all right I kind of picture, you know, kind of on top of a piano yes. or something. But what do we make of the packaging for this album, if you could call it packaging? She wanted it stripped back, simplistic. I, I think it was absolutely what she was going for uh, with the album cover. It's, uh, it's, you know, you've got her in the middle, her name above her, and, and that's it. And she makes the whole album cover and... It, it really, you know, you kind of call it, which is kind of like a sexy librarian secretary or something. Um, <laughs> but those, I, I remember listening, I remember her discussing the, the glasses and how those came. They were doing the shoot. Yes. And then she put the glasses on and, and then that was it. Like that made the album cover. Those glasses um, came and, from uh, someone either in wardrobe or makeup on the day. She had no intention of wearing them. That suit she's wearing is actually bottle green. Like if you open the actual album booklet, it's the exact same outfit with the glasses in different poses. I think if she was to actually give this uh, um, like an actual title from one of the tracks, I probably would say she'd choose Confide in Me. A lot of people said that at the time, that why wasn't this album called Confide in Me? Because the picture sort of supports that as well. Yeah, I don't really get it. Well, the answer, and the... to be honest, the black and white is too similar. The actual black and white aesthetic is too similar to what she did previously with the Let's Get To It cover. So I don't know what y'all are talking about where like, she's banning primary colours because she banned them in the previous album. Rightly or wrongly, the reason for the name in this title was she wanted to be known as Kylie Minogue not Kylie anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, and she really true. wanted that up there. I mean, that was that was her rationale at the time. That's what she said. I think mm. the source of my bitterness is um, because as someone who wore glasses for decades, um, <laughs> someone who doesn't need to wear glasses, wear glasses, maybe this is a chip on my shoulder. What? Didn't she help you, though? Didn't people go from calling you four eyes to going, oh, you're sexy ass? Yeah, glasses are sexy. You were, no just, you were just offended that, that she wore glasses. <laughs> Confide in Me was this massive departure from what she'd been known for up until this point. And the only comment I can remember at the time from my friends and family was, oh, they've done something to her voice in the studio. She can't sing like that. That's not even her. <laughs> it blew me away. Just probably the most amazing first single of any kind of album that I've, you know, grew up with that just kind of was a bolt out of the blue. It's atmospheric, it's dramatic, it's... Um, if there was more songs kind of like it on the album, it would be probably a more amazing album for me. But... Um, and then the video hit, and then that just... You know, it was bright, it was eye-popping, it was kind of um, jarring because of the rapid movement in it, and... 
it was sexy, it was it was just everything at the time. Better the Devil You Know was a huge turning point in her career as a lead single, but I'd argue that Confide in Me was an even bigger turning point at this stage. I'm probably going to use the word genius like several times, uh, but I think, again, genius. Uh, it's definitely after Better the Devil You Know, the next big step she took um, took everyone by surprise and was a, I guess uh, it took a little bit of a risk but everyone everyone loved it it was the you know birth the indie Kylie um, persona but as well it it made she made people listen it was a pretty sizable hit um, for the time so and the song itself I mean is absolutely gorgeous it's you know got a whole bunch of different styles of instrumentation and it blends them all into one absolutely perfect and it's dramatic and and it's sexy it's it's completely genius brothers and rhythm had actually developed a demo version of this song in just under an hour so like really good songs in history they seem to come together quite quickly uh, she recorded all of this in a, in one take, they say. One take, I'm never quite sure if that means she just sang it once or if it means one recording session. Maybe somebody can tell us the answer to that. But what I find interesting about the production of this song was that Steve Anderson was so impressed with the demo that he actually decided to use the demo as the final recording. They just put bits and pieces over the top of it. But the, what you hear is actually um, the demo version. Uh, they Kylie went back in to re-record some vocals for this afterwards, but they were for the mixes, which I really want to mention. The Truth Mix is just my favourite mix, probably of any Kylie song. I'd say the Truth Mix of Confide in Me is phenomenal. I think it's a it, Confide in Me is a very '90s song. I mean, at the time, uh, the like the trip hop genre was really popular. And that is shown on Confide in Me and other places on Kylie Minogue as well. Um, the Truth Mix is excellent. It um, boils the song down to a down-tempo trip-hop uh, kind of mix. And uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of trip-hop as well. And I think Kylie's really good at doing it. I wish she would do it again. We're going to talk about the video clip too. William Baker, uh, her longtime stylist, actually said that the video presents, quote, a kaleidoscope of female stereotypes that at first suggest her to be just a plastic commodity, but this notion is overturned by the lyrical content that reveals, contrarily, a multi-dimensional character who actually empowers herself. Jono, what do you make of the video clip? Well, it looks like Andy Warhol and Keith Haring threw up, but in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but I agree, though. She does look plasticky. She does look like a doll, which is what I really kind of find with um, the war, Kylie. You know how they all represent different things? Yeah. Like when she's in front of the egg, that's hunger, and um, the rainbow is peace. I think they're all different kind of... I've never heard uh, the hunger one before, I've got to admit. I just thought that she was dressed as a chicken, so she laid it. <laughs> that, that outfit is so cute. But... um. <laughs> With the like, with with the the slicked back, very '90s hair. Um, it's very Jennifer Garner. But um, yeah, look, I I like I like the video. It is it's kind of a departure from the actual aesthetic of the album. I like the video. I like all the different representations. I think it's really multifaceted, and I do like the 
the fast projections and the sliding and everything. It's kind of like a, a Rubik's Cube of a video, of a Tesseract. I guess about I... Uh, in Australia, there's uh, there was a big kind of push and support for her on indie radio. So, you know, grunge was, I guess, emerging and in Australia, we known it as Triple J, like a mm. young person's radio station at the time. I don't time. think Triple J had ever played Kylie before this song. That continued into Impossible Princess and, I guess, stopped. Um, but it was amazing to have her across different, um, you know, radio formats. In Australia, I'm aware that Confide in Me went to number one. And not only did it get to number one, it stayed there for at least four weeks, possibly five. Uh, and then even after then, I remember it hovered around two three four and five for a long time before it actually started to drop down this was a huge hit i and actually i thought of this earlier i want to put a couple misconceptions to rest that kylie was completely forgotten about in north america until fever that that is not true um this confided me went to number 39 on the u.s dance charts so it was played it was played in the in the clubs there was a remix um, EP or single released in the US. Um, it got pro- promotional vinyl releases as well. And here in Canada, uh, we actually got, we, we had Kylie Minogue released here. Um, didn't make, you know, any impact on the charts. But she it was even released. released her own version of Confide in Me for you. I, I don't think it was released yeah. as a single, but she, she recorded uh it's not a french version it's not french it's just there's a word that i can never quite remember but it basically means like a a very overly emphasized use of the english language in terms of french but anyway you got a version specifically made like a for like a mashup i mean the chorus is when she says confide in me it's she still says confide in me but um then in the background i think it's like fait toi et moi or something like that and that means Um, uh um, you know, like I, I've looked it up before, and the translation is like "confide in me to you" or something like that. Uh-huh. But the best, I guess, the best translation she could get. The in Canadian, it was released on cassette and uh, CD. Impossible to find now. How much would you pay for it, Aiden? <laughs> I dare not say. <laughs> <laughs> I would pay. I would. I would I would be willing to pay quite a bit. The critical response to Confide in Me was absolutely spectacular. There was uh, one particular review that stood out for me. It was written by uh, Billboard magazine. It described the track as, quote, deeply flirtatious and as knowingly dramatic as a James Bond theme song. Confide in Me continued Minogue on her path from simplistic pop atop a swath of strings and Middle Eastern influences the deadpanned bridge, stick or twist, the choice is yours, hit or miss, what's mine is yours, is delivered in a murmur that yearns for a serious artiste label. But I don't know why she hasn't done a mashup of this with, I don't know, maybe like Can't Get You Out of My Head. You know how she has that hook in there, Set Me Free, and it runs on? Why wouldn't she blend that in with Confide in Me? Interesting. That could work. I mean, I'm crossing my fingers, girl. Aiden, you're right that there was some American intentions here because they actually had If I Was Your Lover slated for release in America and that actually even made mixes, as far as I understand it, to be uh, released only in America, only in the US, and then if it was successful, 
they were going to release it in Europe and, and England and other territories and stuff like that, but it was all scrapped at the last minute. Now, but apparently they had quite a, a fantastic urban remix of If I Was Your Lover. Uh, what do we make of Surrender? It's certainly that, that those opening few seconds sort of take you from Confide in Me and there's a beautiful entrance like down a staircase into the rest of this album. It's good. I, I, I can't say anything bad about any of these songs, which is probably why it's my favourite because I don't kind of skip over any or hate any or kind of forget about any. Yeah. Maybe like um, Nothing Can Stop Us just because I don't really like spoken songs, but, you know... Everything else is really good. I like this song. It's really powerful. The, her and vocals are really good in this. Um, and similar to Dangerous Game, there's a, a great kind of yearning in her voice. And it was just such a revelation to hear her such strong kind of vocals. Track three was intended to be released in the US at one stage and as a single in other territories. What do we make of this? It's got a little bit of a harder edge, a bit of an electric guitar feel to it. At least the album version does, not the demo version. I love this song. It is, I think, one of the most underrated album tracks of her entire discography. I'm dying for her to do it for get on another anti-tour and then perform it. She's never performed just, this song. It's just got this life to it. Never, ever performed it. And oh my God, I wish she would. Because it's one of my it's one of my instant favorites from from listening to the album way back uh, when it's uh, it's a great it's a it's a great track that mixes uh, you know kind of like an R and B and her vocals in it are amazing. Track four on the album is "Where Is the Feeling," which was actually single three, otherwise known as "Where Is the Single," for people like <laughs> me who were waiting months and months and months while they were probably in the background trying to work out what the next single was going to be. Where is the feeling? Very different album track to the single release, of course. I love the single mix. I know, I think it's called the uh, Brothers in Rhythm sound, uh, soundtrack. Yes. Yep. But the video is amazing. The That remix is just, continues the atmospheric feeling of Confide and it's not so much better for me than the album version. This is a point of great contention because people either love the album version or the single version. I personally am so baffled by the single version. I have no idea what it was trying to be. Uh, I think they were trying to go for something for the clubs, maybe. Uh, all I can think is that maybe Kylie or someone else thought it was too bubblegum, the original version, so they, they tore it up and made this version. I, I really don't like it. I find it very odd. I, I'm... Okay, I must be like a huge anomaly because I love both. I love the album version and the single version. The album version is uh, another one of the, it's a really long song, um, more ha dance house music oriented. Um, but I, I think it's uh, fabulous and I think it's a good example of a song that she, you know, can do in two different ways and completely get a different kind of response and feeling out of it. The uh, the single the single mix is uh, I think I think it was really supposed to be its own uh, or uh, the first kind of little experiment for her um, writing and uh, the style they went for with Impossible Princess. I, I think mm. I've read that before that it mm. was kind of the first little pilot project she and yep. the very long mix the soundtrack mix she wrote other lyrics for it added them in 
and the first kind of real test of, of this, uh, uh, for what then became Impossible Princess. There are so many mixes of this song, it is unbelievable. Obviously, mm. you've got the album mix, and then they released, um, there's a dolphin mix, the BIR soundtrack, the club feeling mix, morales mix edit, the bish bosh mix, and there's probably more. There are so many of this. Uh, there's also an acoustic version, which I think was official, yeah. and I love that. I love the uh, acoustic version of this song. There are just so many mixes. <laughs> I don't know why, but there are. And that's good. That's 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 gold for a Kylie fan. That's gold. Jono, you love, I love it. Here, right? I love it. Because it looks, you know what it like? It's, it's kind of like classic Kylie because it looks like a two-hour backdrop. And it's black and white. It's really sexy. It's sexy as all hell. And it's very fast rapid shots kind of like um really kind of like the entire aesthetic of this era actually with confide and put yourself mm. so yeah like and you've got to watch it a couple of times because it's really just there's no real narrative to it except when the the man turns up it doesn't and it doesn't fit the song whatsoever but it's just so sexy and it's it's such an enigma within her videography i think and it's my apart from put yourself it's one of my favorites i like where they were trying to go with it but i think ultimately they were too lazy with it my recollection (laughs) is well because i think they could have taken this further i I loved the feel of it i loved the way they shot it and i I, I loved all of the production of it my recollection is that this was shot in la in between kylie's other engagements which may have been around street fighter she didn't have much time to get this up so she really did wedge this in i know that and she spent it was only a one-day shoot and she was very very cold as you alluded to earlier there was a lot of there was that kind of big gap between put yourself in my place and yeah there was a the album had kind of fallen quite dramatically i think it debuted number three in australia and kind of disappeared yeah by then and it was kind of forgotten and then this kind of almost random single seemed to pop up and it was different from the album version so there was i guess yeah the album had already faded from memory so it's kind of disappointing that there wasn't a, a kind of second push or second wind of the album with this single this was at the time kylie's lowest charting single and it re- mm. remains that way for a long time. I think it wasn't until some other song came along and replaced it. It basically held the record for poorest performing single for a very long time. It was Get Out of My Way, wasn't it? In My Arms, actually, was the next kind of lowest. <gasps> Slander! One of the gems of the album is track five, Put Yourself in My Place. Now, this is mm. phenomenal track, and such it's so mm. synonymous with who Kylie is. One of her favourite tracks as well, I would say. Put Yourself in My Place. I remember the disappointment with its like a, um, its chart position in everywhere really because the video was pretty amazing and it seemed to be incredibly you know well constructed pop song and yeah. catchy and all that and it was quite distinct as well for Carly's back catalogue but yeah for some reason it didn't seem to connect with the masses the way I think it connected with her fans at the time I love it it's a great song though I love it. I think they thought it was going to be huge because in Australia, at least, I don't know what happened over there in England and in other territories, but they released CD1 and CD2. They did the same with Confide in Me and some fantastic mm. mixes as well. So, And the covers of those singles with her yeah. and the, the little headphones, beautiful. I feel I feel like a, a proud parent or something right now. I'm so, I'm so happy she's chosen to bring this 
back now um, on the little tour she's doing. It's one of my it's one of my all time favorite um, Kylie songs, and it's just an absolute. I think it's I I would regard it as probably her best her best ballad to date. It's oh, yes. just mm. got this. It's this, unrivaled. Uh, I mean, there's no uh, one could this, argue that. Yeah, it there's nothing that compares to it. It's it's sophisticated. It's it's sexy. It's it's Kylie all over. The production on it is just uh, amazing. You've got the you know the whistles and the and when the song begins. I mean, on the album it it's starts with the, uh, the vinyl kind of scroll. Which, by the way, is yeah. very similar to Cosmic. Um, I Go and look actually, up Cosmic. <laughs> this, you know, I like the vinyl scratches, but I actually like the video mix where it just goes right into the song. Uh, I can see why it's one of her favourites, and I love my favourite, probably my favourite performance she's ever done of it, except for Fever, where she included it as part of the, as part of the medley. I love when she did the an audience uh, with Kylie, Thing for fever and she uh really uh you know she did all all the big hits on that one and then she included that one and she says uh, you know this is an old one and it's one of my favorites and uh, her vocals her live vocals there are very very good and uh, i love it i love it when she when she belts the uh the parts and she doesn't hold back this song just suits kylie's voice down to the ground and yeah. the first time i heard her do this uh live and stripped back was during the intimate and live tour when she came to sydney and and england wow it's just a beautiful version that to me still remains the best version of this song i don't like when she does it acoustically i just want to hear it like it is on the album like i like how she introduces it when she says this um this is a song i did where i wore a a pink spacesuit or something like and she's she's so cute when she does it but i don't i just want to hear it with all the bells and the whistles and i don't want to hear it like stripped back i really don't i mean that mix she used uh, on showgirl was a i guess like a space age kind of mix but more a little bit closer to the album version but otherwise she she usually does it uh, more acoustic in a, an acoustic style for me it's also um i noticed that when she performed it on this golden promo tour the fans were pretty much singing the whole song along with her yeah and it's one of the good one of the few kind of lyric heavy um early songs that aren't repetitive in their lyrics so i think it remains yeah it remains in her tours kind of also like finer feelings because it's got a full kind of lyric story to it that makes it you know great for fans to sing along to and also lets her do something interesting with it the video the video is one of their favorites too yeah the video sees her strapped up in harnesses and wires uh took her two <laughs> days to shot she's quite belittling of the two americans who rigged her up frankly she's quite mm. belittling about americans kylie that's another <laughs> point she often mimics them and sort of seems to mock the culture of america that's a slightly different topic but yeah the video the the product that's that the result was amazing, though. The video is fantastic. The Barbarella-inspired thing. Oh, so mm. good. Yeah, she looks so is sexy. It? The red hair. The re like the, the makeup is on point. I'm not usually one of the people that really cares about that, but she looks so stunning. The pink with the blue background and then the orange hair, it's like a kind of complementary aesthetic palette. And it's just when she strips, 
the entire it's like it's, it's she's never done anything like this before now you might be surprised that there was actually controversy about this video at the time oh they, haters I, well no not people who hated it but the censors oh. stepped in and and there was a there oh. are two different cuts of this video one that shows sort of the side of her breast and that needed to be cut for all the morning video <laughs> shows so there are actually two different cuts of this video floating around oh um the video it was i've read that it was uh, pretty hard on her to shoot yeah um she very cried. uh yeah she cried and uh but i she obviously really um is quite proud of the uh of the outcome track six on the album is dangerous game now this is a true Ooh. collaboration with uh brothers in rhythm uh steve anderson and mr seaman <laughs> 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 Stop. We've all got to grow up, haven't we? Uh, Dangerous Game, yeah. what do we make of it? It's my favourite um, of the album, and it's in my top five favourite Kylie tracks. Um, if anyone's interested, um, that's fine. Dangerous Game, Do You Dare, um, Take Me With You, and Butterfly. That's my top five. It stood out early on as because it's so dramatic, and not necessarily yeah. as an enjoyable kind of um, song because of this there seems to be a lot of anger in her voice and that kind of mm. you kind of sense oh is this you know anger about the past or you know it's an interesting song and it's um very you know well placed on the album um whether it's something that you can kind of listen to over and over probably not because yeah i just sense a lot of you know anger in her and um but it shows off her vocals like you would you know it's like confide and uh, a couple of the other songs so it's yeah it's one of the best on the album so many opportunities for her to show off her vocals and this is just a prime example i love the build-up at the end it's fantastic like you say there's so much tension in this song it is fantastic and the fact that it blends it goes from beautiful piano to that angst filled lead up to to the end of the song is it's very dramatic it's very dramatic it's a fantastic track and she performed it beautifully at intimate and live Automatic Love. Now, this is fascinating to me because I just want to know what it's about. Someone making love to a computer. It's kind of strange. There's a weird line in it that goes, I didn't feel you enter, which is in my main menu. Yeah, see? Like, it's ever... crazy as you think. Yeah, it's about, it's about online nookie. Unconditional love, maybe. It's like, I love you so much that, uh, like, I'm just going to love you all the time. It's automatic. I don't know. I wanted to say it's it's interesting uh, that you know it's the sole survivor of the Rapina uh, Brothers sessions. Yes, thank you. In fan world, this mystery island of tracks, uh, we know the names of a lot of them. We didn't hear them for a long time. I think we've probably heard nearly all of them now. And it's the it's the only I guess writing credit she has on the album. Um, mm. Because uh, the, I, as far as I know, the Rapino Brothers sessions she wrote, she co-wrote on all of those. I think there was what eight, eight of them that came out of uh, those sessions. So, and uh, obviously the uh, the album version of Automatic Love was reproduced um, to fit uh, with reproduced by brother, brothers in it was brothers in rhythm who reproduced it, right? Yes, yes. Um, because uh, there's there's another there's uh, love is love is on the line as well that was reproduced and I guess considered uh, for inclusion as well at one point. 
Uh, quite different. Uh, the original demo, I guess, demo version of Automatic Love, which apparently was used in, what was it, like a video game or something like that, I've heard? Like ending credits of something, oh, okay. I think. I didn't yeah, know that. I've, yeah, I know I've it was used in a movie. Mm-hmm. Great song overall. Gareth, tell us a little bit about the Rapino Brothers. They, these were sessions in 1993 with the intention of having them on the album. Yeah, as mentioned, there was around eight of them. Um, two of them, Difficult by Design and Gotta Move On, ended up on the Hits Plus compilation. Mm. Um, a couple that have, I think the rest of them, most, pretty much mostly leaks there. Um, Love is on the line, For All I'm Worth, Living for, uh, sorry, Living for Your Loving. Aston Martin as well, did I mention that? That also leaks, um, it's, and that was quite popular amongst Kylie fans, especially when it leaked around 1998, so yeah, it was definitely... To this day, they're still not out there, though, in their proper quality formats. I have all the tracks in high quality. <laughs> I have all eight of the tracks in high quality. That is freaking phenomenal. Two of the tracks that weren't necessarily Rapino Brothers were given as a gift by Steve Anderson to the fans. He, he, he released in 2015, didn't, he didn't release them, but he gave them over Kylie at the end of the day and Love is on the Line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, the original version of Love is on the Line, which is more of a club-oriented uh, song, that's the, that's the one um, that I have, and it's phenomenal. Wow. 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 Okay, well, this is exciting. Okay. Stand by while Kylie fans secret Kylie business. Where Has the Love Gone is track eight on the album. I like this song. one minute short of her longest song, which is um, Take Me With You, which is nine minutes. Yeah, I I think it's a really good song. It is one of the ones that I listen to when I'm waiting for the bus. And I'm like, oh, I've got ten minutes to wait. Yeah. (laughs) Look, I kind of get what you mean when it gets repetitive, but I think when you're not really kind of focusing on it, it just, the, That's the, the songs just kind of go by anyway. Yeah. It's one of the weakest songs on the album and why, why you would allow this track to be a seven, you know, seven to eight minute epic and not the other ones is beyond me. But the, you know, to me, the album suffers with tracks like this that feel like, as we referenced before, dinner party music, background music. It's just so bland for me. Sorry. Second last track on the album is Falling. Now, this was famously written by the Pet Shop Boys, and also, reportedly, they were quite cross that this version ended up on the album. In fact, I'm sure one of them said in an interview that it wasn't until they heard the album that they realised just how bastardised this song had been from the track that they had actually handed over for Kylie's project. But you can find the Pet Shop Boys version of Falling online, and it's very interesting. Is it called Alternative Mix? Oh, Five and six, no, sorry, and I understand the one you're talking about now. No, that's different altogether oh. again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, like okay. with so many of these tracks, there's a few different versions of quite a few of them. I like, it's not the best song for me, but it's, it's, um, it's got a, it's, it has a good place in the album because it's a bit different. Back in the 90s, I loved the M people. I really did. I thought they were fantastic. But this last track on the album, Time Will Pass You By, is peculiar in its placement, in my opinion. It's not a bad track in itself. By the way, on the internet, there's some very large lady does a version of Time Will Pass You By. It was completely random. I saw it by accident many years ago. 
maybe even a drag queen I can't remember but go and look it up it's quite strange but how do you both how do you all feel that this fits onto the album because it's such a um a pop song and the rest of it's been quite sophisticated and then I love the sentiment of time will pass you by but does it actually fit and it should it have closed the album does it represent km94 well I thought if you don't love me um, closes the album for me because I have the um the entire uh, shebang of the album with the two discs so I mean I probably would just say that it doesn't actually really close the album it's a good song and I, you're right it doesn't kind of really fit I've, I've actually seen that version you you mentioned actually it's a uh, it's as I um, Disturbing. as far as I know a song that probably actually covered I guess not as well known but I, I think it's a nice little closer to the album definitely a little bit different from from everything else and uh, I think it drags on a little bit at the end but not a bad track uh, overall I, I love when she says time will pass you by she does it with quite a punch it's incredibly M people sounding and that really date I mean the M people sound is quite distinct I think of that era and um, not the best way to end the album for me I need your advice, all three of you, because there was a special edition bonus disc, that, but it starts with this dangerous overture. What were the origins of that, and where did it come from, and why does it exist? Not that I'm unhappy about it, I think it's fantastic, because I know it's got the three acoustics that I love. It's got If You Don't Love Me, Confide In Me, The French... Where is the feeling? To, ...and Put Yourself In My Place, yep. Well, they were released in um, May 2003, I believe. I guess around that time post and this is obviously post fever um deconstruction we're trying to milk that era to some extent so ah. um kylie's resurging you know career in 2003 you said yes you're right yes all of a sudden there was a lot of back catalog stuff yeah no this is making sense now that's true because also, i'm looking at the cd booklet sorry to interrupt i'm looking right. at the cd booklet and it's got like different it says Tom Parker, April 2003, and it's got all this like insight into like different, into the different tracks. And it's, it's the, I'm looking at some of the paragraphs and it says, when Kylie Minogue was eventually released after blah, 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 blah. And then um, it just has all this insight into it. Like in the epic orchestral ballad, Dangerous Game, Kylie takes on the mantle of torch song diva. Her vocals travel to hitherto unexplored heights, marrying enviable range and strength with a rare talent for understatement i didn't i actually didn't know that this wasn't the original version wow so this has got love yeah. to get my hands on that i, I also know I that they, they intended to put the dangerous overture on the original version of this album you know again feeding into that idea that this was a concept album an atmospheric album so we're going to start with that dangerous and I think there's a scream in there or something. It really sets a mood before Confide in Me actually kicks in. Uh, I sort of wish they'd done that, to be honest. But there again, we've got this yeah. new disc where they do do that. So, yeah, not bad. It's a, a, a wonderful little um, item to have in a collector's collection. Okay. But there's a real mystery around this album, though. Like, I don't know what... It, like, that's why I like it. Because I don't really know what any of the songs are about. Maybe because I, you know, <laughs> I've only just been born. So I don't actually know what was going through her life. Like, what's... Who does she sing Put Yourself in My Place about? Like, is that about a past relationship? Is that about Michael Hutchins? Some people have suggested it's about Michael Hutchins. I've also yeah. got a question of my own about that song. Is it Circle, will come, Circle Won't Come Around or Summer Won't Come Around? Um, I've got the lyrics in front of me. Hang on. Because this booklet has the lyrics. I don't know if y'all's um, has. 
I hear that you're in love now, babe. I don't want to say. I can't believe I still feel this way. I hear that you're in. What, what, what lyric are you looking for? Sorry. You know the circle will come around. Maybe she means like. Um, oh, you know the circle will like come around. around. There you go. Yeah. All these years, and I'm sure that different fans sing it wrong. That's why I've never quite been able to put my finger on that lyric. To round up this podcast, what do we see as the overall impact of this album on her career? Where does it sit? And what was the impact? It's just another step on the road to adulthood, in my eyes. It's There's great stuff about it. There's, we, there's a lot of weak tracks for me in it as well. Um, but it's, it's just great to see that development in her. It was, at the time, absolutely the next uh, logical step for her to take which I'm so, she was so really brave for leaving the whole hit factory uh, scene and and uh, being brave and kind of going out, out on her own for a little bit and into this label, which wasn't, wasn't really a huge label um, and really establishing herself as uh, a respectable artist uh, at the time. I think it definitely helped her career move for sure i don't i don't i honestly don't think her career would have survived another stock aiken waterman album <laughs> mm. i mean it was waning by the time they got to let's get to it already so, oh yeah i mean yeah and not that and you know what actually uh, that wasn't a dig at let's get to it i actually love let's get to it yeah i do too uh, i i think this was very very smart move this was independence for her. I think it was really kind of living proof that she could do something, you know, where she was had creative control and that she could do something that was successful. I think this is really what kind of launched her career in a good direction. And yeah, she misstepped with um, Impossible Princess, but in all honesty, she came back with light years. She did the damn thing with Fever. And this is really just, you know, steps in the right direction for where she's going. And I really wish her all the best with Golden. For me, Kylie paved the road into young adulthood for me. This was, uh, my hat was off so much. I have so much respect, did at the time and still do for this move. It was incredibly brave and she smoldered. The attitude that went along with this album is phenomenal. Just look at the ad for the album itself. Look at the interviews around the time. She was cool, she was still finding herself but she believed she knew who she was at that time. It was very cute, very powerful, and very sophisticated. Such a fantastic album. This sound represents everything about who Kylie wanted to be at that time. Golden Lovers, thank you for your time tonight.